Good morning and welcome back to Guidepost to the Crossroads. I'm your host, William Ramada. Yeah, I missed last week. Uh, I went on vacation and I was going to just put an older podcast on that I did at the beginning. And I just got so wrapped up in getting ready to go that, you know, I just neglected it. But here we are, uh, back on the road again. Um, and we're going to take this take this up and out. And what we're going to talk about today is the mask we wear because of our ego. And it follows up by the podcast we did, Who Are You? And this is also going to be Who Are You? But I'd like to open up with a quote from Bruce Lee. Um, and it resembles the way that I think for my coaching business as well as this podcast. Bruce Lee said, remember, I am no teacher. I can merely be a signpost for a traveler who is lost. It is up to you to to decide on the direction. All I can offer is an experience, but never a conclusion. So even what I have said needs to be thoroughly examined by you. I might be able to help you to discover and examine your problem by awakening your awareness. A teacher, a good teacher that is, functions as a pointer to truth, but not a giver of truth. And like I said, yes, that, that is so much of my philosophy on how I do my coaching and, of course, this podcast, which you know, is given by the name, a guidepost to the crossroads. And you know, with guidepost, um, you have several signs pointing in different directions. And you're at a crossroad, you're at a fork in the road, or several, several, several roads that you can go down. And it's just a matter of pointing and deciding and figuring out what consequences could happen or what would I like to happen. And all this, when you take it into perspective, will guide you down the road that you want to go to. Because as far as I'm concerned, destiny is not given to you. Destiny is something that you make. Uh, You might come to earth with certain ideas in mind of what you want to accomplish, but it it is up to you to determine on what you're going to accomplish, how you're going to accomplish. And these choices we make in life will determine that path. So let's take a look at the ego's mask. You know, uh, we went through who are you, So now let's talk about what are you? You know, what we conceive as a person, you know, what we see every day is but a temporary pattern of physical and psychological composition, right? Your body is essentially an accumulation of food. (laughs) You're a bunch of cells that have come together And you feed it with food, and that's what you become. You are what you eat. Your mind, you know, it's it's a spectacular organ. 
but it consists of your memories, your beliefs, all your attachments, your dreams, and your personality. And it, this is just an accumulation of impressions. You know, and we've talked about these impressions on your life several times in several different podcasts about where they come from in our culture and our family and our friends, our teachers, etc., etc., and etc. But even your inclinations, all your karmic imprints, uh, your astrological influences, and your genetic instructions are derived from energy patterns from the universe. You know, so what exactly can you point to claim your independent existence? What do you have that you can point to that says, I am a loner, I am just me. Uh, you can't, as far as I'm concerned. We are all one. We are we are a part of the universe. Uh, we know um, there are statements and scriptures that say God is in us and we are in God. So, and if that is so, we are divine human beings and we are all linked together. So we believe that we are a foreign agent that came into this universe, and therefore we feel like we have to conquer nature as it is something that is fundamentally different from us. You know, something that we see as external, it's chaotic and it's hostile, but it's not like that. In truth, not only did we come out of the universe, we're going to go back into it, right, from dust to dust. You know, we come out of the earth, and when we die, we go back into the earth. Our bodies do anyway. Because we are not some independent thing that is doing something to the universe. We are what the universe is doing. So if you take a look around at your life and you see things that are happening... It is not what is happening to you. It is what you are doing. Everything, we are energy, and everything that we do is energy that we put out. And it's like looking in a mirror. What you see is what you get. What you put out is what you get back. You know, and it's a revolving thing. And we have a tendency to look at our bodies like they're a static thing. But our body is not. It's an activity. It's, it's like a process in which constant tra- transactions are going on between our internal organs and our external environment, um, like a, like a resp- respiration process, for example. Um, it's never constant. Um, and you guys know I like Alan Watts. And he explains it like, like this, he says that just as a flame of a candle is never constant, a flame of a candle is a stream of hot gas. Only you say the flame of the candle as if it were a constant. Well, it is recognizably constant pattern. The spear-shaped outline of the flame and its coloration is a constant pattern. But in exactly the same way, we are all constant patterns and that's all we are. The only thing constant about us 
is the doing rather than the being. It's the way we behave. It's the way we dance. Only there's no we that dances. There's just the dancing. Oh, Alan Watts, you know, a marvelous man, intelligent. Boy, he, oh, boy, you just don't want to get me going. You know, there's this old philosophical paradox called the ship of Thesus. If I'm saying that right, I don't know. Where, where Plutarch questions that if a ship were to be entirely, entirely replaced piece by piece, then would the ship be the same ship? You know, this question could be applied to us also. All of our cells get replaced multiple times during our lifespan. So are we still the same person? If we approach the problem, if we approach this problem with our conceptual mind, where our thoughts have uh, cut up... are cut up in reality into in fragments that will be caught in this contradiction, and so the the problem still remains a paradox. Uh, this is because we're trying to solve the problem while first assuming that a false is actually true. And I know everybody's probably heard the quote by Albert Albert Einstein that says. We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that has created them. So we definitely have to take a look around and different, um, a different mindset to overcome this paradox. So when we think that there, that there are static things in the universe, then we are imposing this mental concept on existence when in actuality there is never a thing that is a ship a ship is a process in which it is changing every second even though it's so very minimally you know but it's still it's changing and of course we do need to refer to a thing like this in our daily lives for communication purposes because this is how we recognize things but we also don't want to be trapped in our own language and recognize that language is ultimately just a representation of reality right our our language is a representation it is not reality in itself if we see that everything in existence is a process, then that Plutarch's problem would no longer be a paradox. And so his question would just collapse on itself. But we can also see that various misconceptions that we have held about ourselves, we believe that we are an organism with a particular body and a mind. And so if there is an exact replica of that, then our clone would be the same person as us. But if you think about it, there can never be an exact person because our clones are not going to have the same perception that we do. 
the clone is not going to have our same thoughts. It's not going to have the sensations, the feelings that are the same as me. And with all that said, their experience is going to deviate from us as they come into existence. So they'll kill, they're going to accumulate a different memory. We are actually not the same person moment to moment either. Because our memories and our cells are constantly changing. Take a look at your life. Um, I'm 54. Uh, 20 years ago, I was a different person than I am today. 10 years ago, I'm a different person than I am today. And frankly, yesterday to today, I'm a different person. We change rapidly. We change constantly all the time. So if we see that everything in existence is just a temporary pattern, then can't we recognize that everything is interconnected? They are all changing into one another all the time. What was one thing now becomes another. You know, you probably also heard the the thing about the river. You know, if you stand in one spot in the river, it changes constantly because the water is flowing, flowing. You are never standing in that same river. What is one thing now becomes another. So the universe is also an inseparable whole in which nothing exists in isolation. That includes ourselves. So if the universe does not exist as it is, the gravity, uh, atmospheric composition, the sun, the moon, all that stuff, then we cannot exist as we are. And another quote by Alan Watts, he says, your existence is not something that is just the hopeless little creature that suddenly confronted with a great big external world eats him up. Every tiniest little thing that comes into a being, I would go so far as to say is an event upon which the whole cosmos depends. Because this thing goes both ways. It's not only that every little organism which exists depends on its total environment. The reverse is also true that the total environment depends on each and every one of those little organisms. So we can see that there is constant change. So for most of us, we have become so hypnotized by this conceptual mind that we have talked about before that we never actually see the unity in all of these things. We have this fragmented perception of reality that has identified ourselves as an independent existence separated from our skins. And we have been thinking and feeling and acting on behalf of like this phantom entity. And that, my friends, is called our ego. You know, um, we can go into talking about this phantom identity a bit, you know, because I really don't plan on being on here long today, but 
maybe the phantom identity. It'll explain a little bit more because the ego ends up assuming our identity. And before you know it, you'll pretend that your life is, if it was a real thing, um, if that really makes sense. But really, it's just an illusion and it's inherently unstable. So the ego is continuous, continuously seeking a security. And it does this by constantly labeling itself with concepts, thinking it can bring um, aggrandizement and solid, solidity to itself. Um, so what are some examples of these concepts? Um, we, have a, we have a tendency to define ourselves which include things like, take a look at today, right? We have Christian, Democrat, capitalist, Caucasian. Huh. We do our horoscope. We have, like me, a Gemini. Um, we identify ourselves like mothers or athletes or engineers, successful or not, right? Uh, some people say I'm cool, attractive, rich, poor, smart, dumb. You know, you can go on and on. Well, how do you identify yourself? How do you define yourself? And we know we have a lot of that identity stuff going on these days. So all these definitions are ultimately concocted within our minds. So they will always be an abstraction and can never substitute for the real thing. Our misidentification of ourselves can become so abstract that we can see people saying things like, I am the GOAT, like G-O-A-T, you know, the greatest of all times. <laughs> uh, I am the king. I am an icon. I am justice. I am vengeance. You have some that say, I am a legend. And you have others that say, I am God. Here's a quote that I like to, um, to read occasionally by Muji uh, that wrote, Vaster than sky, greater than space. He writes, the state of presence, the sense of I am or I exist is natural for everyone. No one needed to teach you this. When this sense I am combines itself or becomes as associated with other states and ideas, it is as if those states become a part of what I am is, but they are not original to who we are. And he continues on with the concept I am the body or the core belief we adopt very early on. Once we have accepted this basic I am the body concept as who we are, other concepts can now pour on top of it. I am a man or I am a woman. I am like this or I am like that. And so a unique psychological identity forms. 
Mostly we assume that this identity is an unquestionable fact, and yet those acquired beliefs are not part of our original nature. We take ourselves to be a particular body with a unique personality, and this perspective remains with us as we live our lives. I recommend if you get a chance to read um, some Muji. That's M-O-O-J-I. Um, you'll find it quite fascinating. So um, when we identify ourselves with anything in this world, you know, what I consider is we are limiting ourselves because we're trying to enclose something that is formless and limited, limitless, because we are. We're basically formless and limitless. Oh, yeah, we come here in this body, but we we have the capability to be so much, and we limit ourselves all the time by saying, I am this or I am that. And I've always said, I am are some powerful words. I mean, in, in the Bible, when uh, Moses first asked God who he is, what his name was, he said, I am that I am. So every time you put I am this or I am that, that is what you become. It is power. So if you say I am stupid or I am dumb, I am ugly, you become that. That is the energy you put out and that is the energy you see when you look into the mirror. So change your words, change your thoughts because that is powerful. But no matter what we identify ourselves with, it's always going to be biased and limited, right? Because we are human after all. But if we try to navigate through life with our identity, then we will miss, um, we're going to miss the infinite possibilities beyond our limited selves. There's so many possibilities out there that we can do, and we limit ourselves. So... Be careful. Words mean, they have meaning. They mean a lot. Suppose I strongly identify myself as an antisocial person because I had, social ex- I had awful social experiences in the past, right? True stories. But if I maintain an open mind and I continue to attempt to go to new social events, meet new people, uh, do new things, maybe I could find some some of them to be enjoyable and, you know, eventually develop my social skills. And this will dismantle my antisocial identity. And this is going to liberate me from my limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs. Look that up and then look into your life. Sit down with yourself. Say, what are my limiting beliefs? The more you sit down with yourself, you might find out, is this what I really want to do? Because you can find out some crappy things about yourself, what you're thinking about. You know, who, who do you believe you are? And this is a way where you can change that. But if, but... You know, if I didn't do that stuff and I continue to avoid social interactions because of what I thought about the past, then in that case, I'm never going to find out. 
and I will severely limit my possibilities for the rest of life. And suppose I strongly identify myself as an expert in a particular field because I have more experience and more accomplishments than anybody else I know in that field. And if, and if a beginner approached me with a possible solution to a problem that I wasn't able to solve for a long time, wouldn't I think maybe, why is he telling me this? Would I dismiss their suggestion and say something like, it'll never work? I've never seen this problem for 10 years. And if I can't solve it now, then it's not solvable. So in this way, I may miss on other possibilities due to my identity's um, biased perspectives, right? In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. Shunru Suzuki said that. Um, I like to listen to said, said guru a lot. Um, sometimes he's got some outlandish things that he says, but I mean, on other times he's right on point. He says, once your intellect gets identified with something, your function within the realm of this identity, whatever you are identified with, all your thoughts, emotions will spring from that identity. Whatever your thoughts and emotions, these identifications are certain level of prejudice. In fact, your mind is itself a certain kind of prejudice. Why? Because it functions from limited data and is fronted by an essentially discriminatory intellect. So your mind, which should have been a ladder to the divine, is stumbling through endless mediocrity and some occasions has become a straight stairway to hell. Hmm. Definitely watch how you identify yourself. Watch your biases and your prejudices. Because the longer that we abide with these identities, the more real our identities are to us. Right? We can find the media does that to us all the time, right? You just keep saying one thing, eventually you're going to believe it. And we do that to ourselves too. If we keep repeating, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, I'm stupid, then eventually I'm going to believe and I'm going to become stupid. So when most people say, I think this, I this, I that, or I believe this, or I believe that. It's not even them that are doing it, but actually their identity is doing it in their place because you have already formed that. So for many of us, our identities are not even consciously built by us. We just inherited them from our environment. So we live our entire lives on other people's behalf. Boy, how many times have I said this in the past? How we let our parents, our friends, our family, our teacher, our culture dictate who we are. Um, we are not that. We are who we choose to be. We are pursuing success based on other people's definitions of success. Right? 
who who am I to say that you're not successful? That is your decision. You know, it. what is success to you? It, it's such a subjective thing. You know, we are always conducting ourselves based on other people's expectations. So don't you think that it's time to change? I mean, do you really want to live by somebody else's expectations? What are your expectations? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? You have a mind. You have a soul. Figure it out. I mean... I know it's hard when you've been raised a certain way or you have a culture that is strongly in you, but you're an adult now, and if you decide to change, change. You don't have to listen to anybody but yourself. Nobody controls you but yourself or the government, if you let them. (laughs) Remember when you were young, all those dreams that you had, all the ideas that you wanted to do in life or what you wanted to be. We didn't didn't want to be like adults. We didn't want to be like our parents or our teachers. Well, maybe some of us wanted to be like some of them. That's who we looked up to. But overall, we didn't, you know. All the adults cared about was money, their image, um, just superficial things. And when we were young, we, we didn't worry about that, right? But when we grew up, we ended up being just like them. I mean, how many times when you were growing up do you say, I don't want to be like this person or that person? But when you were raised by them or you were taught by them in school, it happens, right? It kind of gets ingrained into you. Uh, society gets conditioning to you. So we ended up like all those adults. You know, we talk like them. We think like them. We behave like them. Have you ever said something or did something and then reflected? Oh, wow. That's something dad did. (laughs) That's something mom said. You know, or, man, I said I wasn't going to be that way, and I am. Gosh, man. We made other people's goals our goals. Uh, we do that at work. Sometimes it's forced on us, but we do it. We invest all our energy into pursuing the same superficial things that those adults cared about. Go to college. Get a good job. Make money. <laughs> repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse. You know, we got married, got a secure job. We lived at the rest of our days for our vacations and pensions. And we find out we don't even get that many vacations. So you have to get older like me and say, well, screw it. <laughs> We're doing it anyway. All the possibilities we dreamt as a kid, they're all gone now. We don't. Do you think about them anymore? Or do you just say, oh, I'm too old to do that? Or it's too late? Well... My friends, it's not too late. You're not too old. I see things all the time on TV where people are 70, 80 years old getting their degrees, um, skydiving, doing whatever. Do it. It's your turn. Do it. You know, Don't let our, our, our phantom identity dictate your life. 
you know, we have become a slave to this identity. And don't be that way. Uh, uh, there's several quotes by Joe Dispenza that I could that I could say relates to this. And if you ever read about his book, uh, Becoming Supernatural, I recommend that one because um, he talks about this a lot. I'm not going to re- read any of his quotes because his, his quotes could be not this long, but so deep that in, in a podcast like this, I'm not going to go that deep. We think that once we have this identity, like maybe I'm the manager or the CDO or I'm a champion, husband, a father, that we're going to have a security, right? Because we have become somebody. We belong somewhere. We have someone to love us. We have people that respect us. But here you go again. Sit down and think Think, talk to yourself. Is this really what security is all about? Our loved one could leave us. We could lose our job. Our reputation could be ruined. So we need to struggle to maintain this identity constantly. And oh, it's tiring, isn't it? Don't you get tired of it? Is this security? No. It makes you feel weak and tired and disgusted and frustrated. We need to seek physical security such as food and shelter for survival purposes. But why do we seek the psychological security? You know, the more psychologically secure we become, the duller we become, which makes us more demanding for more security and for more, and then you're more prone to other disturbances. If we have everyone praising us, then the minute they don't, our entire world collapses. Think if you're a popular star, maybe you did, maybe a singer. You have a couple good albums out there, and then all of a sudden you can't do, you can't sell another album. Their life just goes to shambles a lot of times because that's all they were, the person on the stage singing. You know, and now people don't like it anymore. Well, it's the way it goes, right? But, you know, that just crushes people. So the harder that we build up this this false self, then the harder you're going to fall. All right, so the richer you become, and all of a sudden, bam, you lose everything. Stock market crashes. Boom, you fall. You're feeling things you never felt before. So when we inflate ourselves with others' praises, we're also making ourselves more dependent on everybody else's opinions of us. And we're so so more prone to their insults. Right? If you're in a relationship and it's going well and then all of a sudden they start throwing insults at you and blaming you for things, that's going to hurt a lot more 
than if they never praised you at all. This is why even through physical security, never has been an issue for most of us, but we constantly feel insecure. So we try to cling to some kind of definition of ourselves, thinking that that can give us a security. You know, and all these definitions, they, they're separative. Um, I can only define myself as successful if I define others as failures, right? So because I'm doing something different and better than somebody else, then I must define them as a failure to be successful, but can I only define myself as a believer of God if I define somebody else as a non-believer? With every definition, I am further separating myself from humanity. For every group I try to belong to in one time, I am also excluding myself from many other groups. While I am constructing my identity, I am also constructing the other, you know, the enemy. I am not those kind of people. Do not associate with those losers. I am right. They are wrong. I do not want to go there. People there may not like me because of what I represent. These thoughts become real by definition because we are constructing these definitions of things and that creates a breakdown in the world. So as this ego we have accumulates more and more definitions, it becomes more and more alienated in the world. And do we want to call this security? No. <clears throat> Alan Watts says, to put it still more plainly, the desire for security and the feeling of insecurity are the same thing. To hold your breath is to lose your breath. Isn't that a fact? So let's end it with this right now. The ego will eventually cover itself with so many definitions, there isn't a person on earth that can match up to all of it. When the ego is facing some antagonism with every person that it encounters, the ego will conjure up a person that will save it from its alienation. An imaginary person that can finally understand and accept all the ego's identities, which the ego calls the one, the soulmate. So I recommend that you sit and think and try to get rid of definitions as much as possible, especially the ones that govern yourself, those that are close to you, because um, you don't want that breakdown um, in your relationships and your friendships and your family 
at work. Um, success does not have to claim other people's failures. <clears throat> um, your love doesn't have to proclaim somebody's hate. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. <clears throat> and uh, I'd like to thank, uh, you know, just all of you for coming on here. And I was supposed to have a guest on this week, but uh, Zoom broke down on me and now. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm uh, been working on it to get it back up and we're rescheduling. And it's going to be one of those interviews where the guidepost comes in. We talk about things, we talk about words and the meanings, and you have to make that choice of where to go. Your choice of what research to do and how to do it and make your choices in life. So thank you for joining me today. It is a better life.